are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 125 on Heaven's Gate Cult, part one. Part one. There's a lot of stuff going on in here. I don't really know what goes on at all with this. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> I don't I don't think I've like watched any documentaries or anything about this. Oh my god, you're about to have your mind blown apart. I'm okay, so excited. I'm ready for it. <laughs> it's so nice to see like things through fresh eyes because sometimes whenever you hear about stuff over and over and over again, you know, you kind of get numb to it, but and this is mm-hmm. like a crazy ass story. So the fact that you are a virgin ears to this is very exciting. That's how our last two-parter was for me. Yeah. <laughs> the Murdoch family. I mean, I hadn't heard about them before I did the notes, but yeah, watching you, I'm like, get ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're not going to believe it. Right. No, that one was wild. And then after we recorded that, I watched a 2020 episode um, mm-hmm. of it and they interviewed like his, the dad's brothers or something and i'm like straight up lying big lying <laughs> no damn well what happened oh goodness but, yeah well before we get into this very exciting topic um maybe the most interesting i feel like cult is out this of one. all the cults really that's this was probably my number one cult if you would have like numbered cults sounds like you do have numbered cults (laughs) (laughs) all i know is this one is number one for me and i'm actually surprised that we haven't like done it yet yeah if it's the number one cult really made it to a high number of episodes yeah (laughs) but before we get into that let's talk some business we don't have much what do we want them to do like share subscribe please pretty pretty please with sugar on top Mm-hmm. Um, all of that all of it you can also subscribe to our patreon we have over 113 i think ish 113 ish episodes out there we release a new one every friday you also get discount codes to our store which is mysteryhistorypodcast.com there are some banging hoodies and mm-hmm. and uh and zip up what do you call them sweatshirts zip ups and hoodies and t-shirts and tank tops like that (laughs) other items other items so you get some discounts if you join um plus you support us which is amazing and we love you all the time for it um like always we are looking for episode suggestions we are almost to the end of december I'm pretty sure we are at the end of December. I think this is, well, not even date-wise, but like we're out of topics that we have planned. So we really need to get our lives together. We did so good in December, like planning our stuff out. Because we planned it in November. I know. Like way early in November. We just need to sit down and get our our things in order. (laughs) Yeah. So how about you tell me who your cult, um, like your ranking for your favorite cult to least favorite cult shoot us a message and let us know maybe we haven't heard of it and we'll do an episode on it yeah or any other episode suggestions you may have yeah let's let's do that that would be great and lastly first no no not lastly this is second to last we just want to say shout out to jamie oh she is so lovely um she creates all the episode art for us free of charge she's an amazing artist go buy all of her stuff um and we will have a we'll tag her in our bio so you guys can go to her um instagram and take a peek she's amazing she's just amazing she is amazing she does some really cool cat stuff and octopus stuff and I mean, just there's so many things that she does that aren't even just that. It's it's amazing. And she's just she, very sweet. We and she uses her. these little people she got. She got like a mm-hmm. bunch of little people and she incorporates them in some of her art where like it's a space, you know, space odyssey and somebody's just floating through. I have one of her pieces, Jaws, which and mm-hmm. she used one of the people as the people, you know, for Jaws. So 
just can't say enough good things about her. We love her to pieces. She has zombie gnomes, too. She does? Yeah. What? Like the little gnomes. She paints into, like, zombie scenes and stuff. Okay. Why is this well, new to you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm so I'm so hung up on the octopus situation. And I really <laughs> I get one of those. <laughs> and I really like the space things that mm-hmm. she has. Uh, there was one she did recently that was like almost kind of glow in the dark. Um, it is. It looked... It's like black light activated. She does black light activated art. That's so. She cool, does everything. So... Go check it out. Can't say enough good things. Yes, she's amazing. She's our favorite person ever. We love you. Thank you for all you do for us. We are undeserving for sure. Factual. And now the last thing is Christmas is over. Thank God. Yeah. Yes. Do you Ugh. not have a good time? I never have a good time. So let me tell you this story real quick, real quick, and then we'll get to the business. <laughs> or no, we're in the business, the nitty gritty <laughs> of what we're here for. <laughs> so the 23rd of December, right? You're gearing up to just have a great time. And uh, Amazon packages are being delivered and a freaking Amazon truck backs up into my brand new 2023 car, right? Mm-hmm. Then... She pulls up, gets out. My neighbor watches this whole thing, right? And she asks, whose car did I just hit? And my neighbor knows my name, pointed to my house and said, Allison's car is who you just hit. You should probably go tell her. She said, okay. My neighbor went inside, assuming she came to my door, but that didn't happen. She got back in her truck and she drove off. Oh my God. So now... I will keep you updated because if they don't do the right thing, I'm going back to pioneer days and I'm never ordering anything from Amazon again, which is super inconvenient. They have to do the right thing. You caught them on ring camera. Yeah. And it still hurts me because all you can hear is the crunching. It's not even 2023 yet. My car is a a child and she struck it. I know. It was so expensive the most expensive car i've ever bought and now it's ruined they'll fix it eventually i mean i'm just letting putting everybody on notice that if they don't fix it nobody's allowed to order from amazon (laughs) again (laughs) i am putting it in the business every episode (laughs) boycotting them but i'm thinking that they're going to do the right thing i'm hoping i feel like they have to so it's yeah, that's camera. how my Christmas, I mean, that's how my Christmas was. So that's really cool and uh, had a great time. Did that ruin your Christmas? No. Okay, No, my good. Christmas was fine. It's just stressful. Don't be dramatic. It is stressful. And we had that bad storm when there was like yeah. family gathering times and stuff. So yeah, a lot of people yeah. were without power here. It was, you know. Yeah, you're right. Great. You're really um, helping me feel like a jerk. <laughs> Put it in perspective over there. <laughs> I need that from time to time. Yeah, you I do. am dramatic. We all we all do. <laughs> but yes. Well, let's let's learn about Heaven's Gate because I'm ready because I know nothing. Okay. So should I start? Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're gonna start with the history of Apple White. Whatever that means. <laughs> Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. was born in Spur, Texas on May 17, 1931. His parents, Marshall Herf Applewhite Sr. and Louise Applewhite, had three other children. Marshall Sr. was a Presbyterian minister. From a young age, he loved public speaking and appreciated the arts, including opera. He attended Corpus Christi High School and then went on to Austin College. He was a very active student and was into religion. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. He got his bachelor's degree in philosophy in 1952, then enrolled in Union Presbyterian Seminary to study theology, hoping to become a minister. Around that time, he married Ann Pierce, and the two had two children, Mark and Lane. Early on in his studies, he decided to leave school and give a career in music a try. Interesting. He's all over the place, man. (laughs) (laughs) So he became the music director of a Presbyterian church in North Carolina, and he was a baritone singer. 
Yes. Have you ever seen what he looks like? No. I need you to give him a googly goog while I'm reading okay. this ne- next part. Okay. On it. Um, he, yes. So I really like the name Lane also, just PSS. I really like that name. I do too. It's a nice name. In 1954, Applewhite was drafted by the Army and served in Austria and New Mexico as a member of the Army Signal Corps. He left the military in 1956 and enrolled at the University of Colorado, where he earned a master's degree in music, focusing on musical theater. In the early 60s, he moved to New York and he tried to be a professional singer. After he finished his education in Colorado, he taught. Did you just find a picture of him? yeah because your face showed me that you just saw him (laughs) i mean there's he looks surprised in every picture yeah uh yeah so i just i feel like that's super important so if y'all we'll post a picture of him but if you don't know what he looks like i think it's super important to always kind of google it and see who you're talking about because it just makes the story like you understand it you know um layer yeah he so now he's he finishes education in colorado he taught the university of he taught at the university of alabama but lost his position after he started having sexy sex with one of his male students not good uh he separated yeah he separated from his wife when she learned about the affair in 1965 and they divorced three years later. So they tried to hang on, but it didn't work. When Applewhite told his parents he was gay, his father rejected him. So that's not cool. Yeah. Um, In 1965, after teaching at the university of Alabama, he moved to Houston to serve as chair of the music department at the university of St. Thomas, which is amazing that even though like they were adults, I'm sure he had sex with a student still. Like, you wouldn't think he'd be able to teach anymore. Um, his students <laughs> said, I mean, really? I don't know. In the 60s, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think you're allowed to have sex with former students or people still at university, probably, as long as you aren't affecting their grades. Maybe. I don't know how that works. If anybody's ever I done that, let us know. I don't know how that works either. (laughs) His students said that he was an engaging speaker and very stylish. Could you imagine him being stylish from the picture you just saw? Not really. He became a popular singer locally, serving as the choir director of an Episcopal church and performing in the Houston Grand Opera. So he was doing some stuff. Yeah. In Houston, Applewhite was openly gay for a brief time, but also got in a relationship with a young lady who left him under pressure from her family. He was really sad about it. He so he wasn't gay. He was bisexual. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he or, yeah. or maybe he was just doing it to keep up appearances, which is really sad that he had to do that. I hope um, not, but yeah. He resigned from the University of St. Thomas in 1970 because of depression and other emotional problems. Sociologists who studied him believe his resignation could have been because he had another affair with a student. The president of the university said Applewhite was often mentally jumbled and disorganized near the end of his employment. I mean, aren't we all, though? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I'm jumbled on a daily basis, but not to that degree. (laughs) Is that how people would describe us if we, like, left our jobs mentally jumbled and disorganized? Maybe. Uh, Yeah. But we're killing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) Yeah, that's too bad. Sounds like he's got, like, a very rough situation. Like, can't find his place, can't Mm -hmm. do what he needs to be doing, apparently. Like, not having sex with students. You know, that kind of thing. In 1971, he briefly moved to New Mexico, where he operated a deli. He was popular with his customers, but decided to return to Texas later that same year. Applewhite's father died around that time, and the loss took a significant toll on him, causing severe depression. His debts mounted, and he started borrowing money from his friends. Yeah. I think How especially- hard would it be? 
I'm just going to interject in here. How hard would it be to have a parent who, who rejected you, whose approval you very most likely wanted, and then when they die, like that would have to get be, it. yeah, of course that was a significant toll. That would be extremely devastating. I don't know. Yeah. What were you going to say? Exactly that. Exactly. Like okay. how sad <laughs> is that, that that he's never going to get that approval that he so desperately seeks. And I don't know, I guess I've never been in a situation where I've cared that much about a person like understanding me or like approving of me, but I've yeah. never also, I guess, had a parent that was Rejected that. Did you like that? Was, yeah. I mean, briefly here and there throughout my life, but never like you're a piece of crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I've never had that with my mom. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand that like from that perspective, but I just can think about it and imagine that it would be very difficult. Where's a parent either? I mean, yeah, to take, I could never do that. I, yeah, I don't know how you, you could ever like reject your child like that. I don't know. I mean, it's, it is likely a religious thing, right? I would assume so. All the which way is, around. But that's also very wild that he is trying, and maybe it's the same thing. He's trying to seek approval from his church that probably is rejecting him as well. Mm-hmm. But for any of the, the people out there that parents reject them, we'll be your parents. Yeah, we'll be your moms. I'll <laughs> give hugs all day long. Word. It's just sad. Can't even imagine. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about Bonnie Nettles. In 1972, Applewhite met Bonnie Nettles, who was a nurse that was interested in theosophy and biblical prophecy. The two became quick friends, and he later recalled that he felt like he had known her for a really long time. They both believed they had met in a past life. Hmm. What do you think about past lives? <laughs> I must have been like... A bug on a shrub. <laughs> so I don't have anything. <laughs> Not a care in the world. Nope. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. It's I interesting. It's yeah, I think it's a thought that is possible. Anyways, Nettles told Applewhite them meeting each other had been foretold to her by extraterrestrials. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, here it goes. She lost me, Uh, (laughs) persuading him that he had a divine assignment. He began to investigate alternatives to traditional Christian doctrine, including astrology. Applewhite moved. Hold on. What? Yeah. How long would we have to be friends before I brought up extraterrestrials with you? Like, uh, and that they told me that you are like, cool. And you got some stuff to do. (laughs) And then, like, me go do it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, dang. Good for them. I'm going to need some details (laughs) on that interaction. I don't know. Or how long does it take to, like, get comfortable enough to start, like, okay, I'm going to dip my toe in this pond here to see what she says. I don't know. It's just that's how crazy. How long to me. does it take, or how many drugs? <laughs> I don't know if he was on drugs. Well, she, which was. is even sadder, <laughs> right? I don't know. Maybe she wasn't, but that's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's sorry. Strange. Go ahead. <laughs> so he saw. Oh wait, I skipped. Applewhite moved in with the Nettles, even though their relationship was deep and loving. It was only a platonic one. Mm-hmm. Nettles was married with two children, but after she became close with Applewhite, her husband divorced her and she lost custody of her kids. Applewhite permanently broke off contact with his family. He saw Nettles as his soulmate and she had a very strong influence on him. What a freaking what is this? <laughs> I don't know. What sparks that to just be like, like, that would be, like, me seeing some guy out in the street and being, like, the aliens told me that you are to lead the people and then my husband divorcing me and taking the kids. 
I mean, like, that what is, would ever drive me to do that? <laughs> well, that is the best part of this story. Like the happiest part is that her children were taken away from her because holy shit. Because it gets real. It gets real. Um, I mean, not for her, but I'm, but for the other people. So we'll talk about it. Go ahead. They opened a bookstore known as the Christian Arts Center, which carried books from all kinds of spiritual backgrounds. They also launched a venture called Known Place to teach classes on theosophy. What is that? Theosophy? Theosophy? Mm -hmm. I'll have to Google that later. And mysticism. They closed these businesses a short time after they opened, so didn't really gain traction there. And then in 1973, Applewhite and Nettles decided they were going to travel and teach each other their beliefs. While traveling, they had little money and occasionally resorted to selling their body, their bodies, not their bodies, their blood, <laughs> or working odd jobs. I just assumed it was their bodies. My bad. Uh, during the <laughs> hard times. <laughs> It happens. During the hard times, they survived solely on bread rolls and often camped out. Sometimes they ran out on their bills in the morning. Smooth. Mm -hmm. One of their friends from Houston accepted their teachings. They visited her in May of 1974, and she became their first convert. So they got people Who's now. that person? <laughs> I would never was... admit. What the hell? I don't know how this, like, how does this happen? Where did they find this lady? In Houston, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and and they're like, oh, yeah, extraterrestrials. That sounds real good. Like, okay, this is probably, I'm hoping, the drugs, right? Wasn't this, like, a big drug time? Like, everybody was just yeah. high and, and having a great time? Yeah, I mean. <sighs> I mean, it wow. wasn't the weed, though. This has got to be, like, acid or something. Or, like, mushrooms or some <laughs> hallucinogenics going on here all right now we're going to talk about anonymous sexaholics celibate church which has just the prettiest ring to it yeah um, it flows off the tongue <laughs> yeah apple white and nettles looked into multiple religions and teachings in christology aestheticism and eschatology Applewhite would read science fiction books mainly robert a Heinlein and Arthur C. Clarke. By June 1974, Applewhite and Nettles drew out a basic outline of their beliefs. They concluded that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies and that they had been given higher level minds than other people. So they are the smartest people in the room. Any room. They wrote a pamphlet that described Jesus's reincarnation as a Texan a thinly veiled reference to Apple White. What? Yes. Um, they also concluded that they were the two witnesses described in the book of Revelation and occasionally visited churches or other spiritual groups to speak of their identities, <laughs> referring to themselves as the two or the UFO two. The pair believed they would be killed and then restored to life and in view of others transported onto a spaceship. This event would be referred to as the demonstration um, was to prove their claims. These ideas were not well received. So they thought like they were. Yeah, don't say. They were the ship. <laughs> I could never imagine that amount of like confidence. Where do you get the audacity? <laughs> like. Yeah. And I mean, this is the thing. Like, these stories are always so strange to me. So she says that aliens told her to start this. And then she is so confident that she says that a, a spaceship is going to lift them up in front of everybody. And like, you're telling people that. So like, the, that's a kind of lie that has an end. Like, it expires at some point. Yeah. So you have to deliver on that. Yeah. And that, I mean, or, I know that Apple White was in the theater, but I don't think that he can put together just space shift or mm -hmm. space shift spacecraft. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I mean, wow. Wowzers. It's interesting. In August of 1974, Apple White was arrested in Harlingen, Texas for failing to return a car he rented in Missouri. He was extradited to St. Louis and jailed for six months. 
at the time, he maintained he had been divinely authorized <laughs> to keep the car. Uh-huh. What that a didn't word. work out for him. <laughs> That's too bad or I would use that. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm still I might gonna use, use it, it anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've been divinely authorized. Oh my Step gosh, we, sh- we need to get a picture. And the <laughs> caption is divinely authorized. Just that's all. <laughs> While he was in jail, he thought about theology and abandoned discussion of occult topics in favor for extraterrestrials and evolution. After his release, Nettles and Applewhite began seeking like-minded followers and attempting to contact extraterrestrials. He published ads for meetings where they recruited disciples who they called crew. At these events, uh, they... They said they were beings from another planet, the next level, who sought participants in an experiment. They said that those who agreed to take part in the experiment would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. Nettles and Applewhite referred to themselves as guinea and pig. Who's pig? (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to say probably Nettles. (laughs) Applewhite was the primary speaker. (laughs) You're probably right. Applewhite was the primary speaker and referred to himself as a lab instructor, while Nettles would occasionally put her two cents in. I just, this is insane. The two rarely personally spoke with attendees, only taking phone numbers so they could contact them later. They initially named their organization Anonymous Sexaholics Celibate Church, but then changed it to Human Individual Metamorphosis. Okay, being celibate and getting taken away by aliens to the next level are two separate things i feel like that is how any of this lines up it's false advertisement at its best if you went (laughs) to something like this and like somebody was telling you these things right and they Mm -hmm. said that they were on a higher evolutionary level like prove it (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I would, it's almost like I would be so interested because it's like, what in the hell is wrong with this person that I would want to know more as a joke to myself, which is so sad. Like, but it's true. I mean, sometimes that's why we talk about serial killers and we're talking about this. Like what, what happened in there to think these things? And what happened to each individual person that was following them to lead them into the situation? What kind of bad spot do you have to be in to hear and what this? Are they... And be like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's and at this good. point, like, what are they offering? Like, I get like come to a place where there's shelter and we have community and stuff like that, and people without homes or families are drawn to that. But like at this point, what are these two offering? Like nothing, nothing. That well, the people are following the them. next level, the next level. Okay, but like nothing tangible in this life. No, no, that is correct. I don't know. Applewhite believed in the ancient astronaut hypothesis that claimed extraterrestrials had visited humanity in the past and placed humans on Earth and would come back to collect a few of them. Applewhite and Nettles sent advertisements to groups in California and were invited to speak to New Age devotees in April 1975. At the meeting, they persuaded about one half of the 50 attendees to follow them. Like, what? That is a very high number of people. They also focused on college campuses, speaking at Canada College in August. At a meeting in Oregon in September 1975, they had further recruitment success. About 30 people left their homes to follow the pair prompting interest from media outlets. The coverage was all negative, thank God. Uh, Commenters and former members mocked the group and leveled accusations of brainwashing, duh, against Applewhite and Nettles' pressure tactics. So, like, that's a lot of people. It's scary. That is a lot of people. Those people are just, like, walking around us and could be persuaded into literally anything (laughs) yeah i don't get it i don't know either i would love to know in these in this particular because again i get like why some cults you're like okay 
Right. Like what? I really what is this. <laughs> I'm gonna say something. And it's gonna sound super like. You're gonna say it anyways. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like, oh, she thinks she's cool. I really think that if I would use my power for evil, I could start a cult. Probably. I'm very Your persuasive. pressure tactics. <laughs> you got the pressure tactics. <laughs> I, yeah. Which is terrifying because I could never do that to people. But there are people out there that can. And here we are. Like, it's just wild. It can and do. Benjamin E. Zeller, an academic who studied new religion, noted that Applewhite and Nettles' teachings focused on salvation through individual growth and sees this as similar to currents in the era's New Age movement. Applewhite and Nettles denied connection with the New Age movement, viewing it as a human creation. Yeah. (laughs) But aliens are not. Yeah, the aliens made theirs, so... Uh, Jean-Jo Lalik, a sociologist who studies cults, believes their recruitment success happened because of their eclectic mix of beliefs and the way that they deviated from typical New Age teachings, discussing literal spaceships while retaining (laughs) familiar language. Most of their disciples were young and interested in occultism or otherwise lived outside of mainstream society. They came from a variety of religious backgrounds, including Eastern religions and Scientology. Most were well-versed in New Age teachings, allowing Applewhite and Nettles to convert them easily. So these people were already cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yep. Trying to find something. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't say that. They aren't cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They're just trying to cling on to something, (laughs) but like pick something else. (laughs) Yeah. Like yoga. Right. (laughs) I love yoga. That is a good choice. Applewhite thought his followers would reach a higher level of being, changing like a caterpillar, becoming a butterfly. The specific example was what was used most in the group's early literature and teaching. Applewhite contended that this would be a biological change into a different species, casting his teachings as scientific truth in line with secular naturalism. He emphasized to his early followers that he was not speaking metaphorically, often using biology and chemistry in his statements. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. I mean, he's like, this is science. This is going to literally happen to you. And people are like, okay. Yes. And I think that that is where, because a lot of people who are not religious and are more into the new age stuff, they do hold on to that scientific part of it. So if you can prove through science, even though it's not real, you know, then it makes sense and it solves all the problems that it, then so instead of prove... just make believing that God is out there, he can prove that there are aliens and they're going to come pick us up. So if you just have more answers, like if you say, I'm a specialist in this, and mm-hmm. let me explain it to you. And then you could just convince all these people to, I mean, that's probably half of what being a smart person is, right? Just talking with confidence yeah or talking I used, over their I used, head uh air quotes around smart yeah or just but, talking yeah. over somebody's head so they're just like okay well they must know what they're talking about but i could ramble on about shit all day long and have no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> i just can't understand how anybody could listen to somebody tell them that this is going to physically like there's going to be a biological change you are going to change into a different species well, and... no, they're not saying butter or you, you mean turning into like an alien? Well, I, they don't specify what the different species is, but yeah, that's what I assumed. Yeah. Or a higher level of, I mean, I don't know. Being. Yeah. Yeah. By the mid 1970s, Applewhite attempted to avoid using the word religion, seeing it as inferior to science. Mm-hmm. So he is now a scientist and is re i mean removing the word religion from here and putting in science i okay let's talk about sasquatch okay yeah okay do you believe in sasquatch i could believe in him like i he mean could be i could out believe there. in him yeah, yeah i don't could... i don't don't believe in him <laughs> right i could i could see something 
being out there in the woods or whatever. However, if somebody said that's Jesus and he's going to be your salvation and he's going to take you to his Bigfoot people in the sky and it's going to be a party, I'm going to be like, whoa, no, (laughs) that is, I don't believe that. I believe that there could be a being out there. Do I believe in aliens? Sure. There probably are aliens out there. But but I don't think they're going to be our salvation. They would probably kill us. Because <laughs> they're like, these people right. are dumb. They're so dumb. Dumb. Yeah, I guess. But I don't know. It's just wild. Like they would be like, look at these leeches down here. Right. Like, need to eradicate that immediately. But yes, Ugh. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how you buy into this. It's very interesting to me. All right. 1975. Applewhite and Nettles rename themselves, and this should be all you need to say. End of story. I'm out of here. They call themselves Bo and Peep. So they, they had... ditched Guinea and Pig and are yes. going with Bo and Peep. Bo and Peep. They had about 70 followers and saw themselves as shepherds tending to a flock. You know what shepherding a flock is? It's freaking sheep, man. So they you're just it. a sheep. Yeah, they know it. That's a freaking joke. Well, that's a part of a religious thing anyways, though. Being a shepherd and being like a flock. I don't know. I yes, think of it as like sheep and ba. Yeah. yeah, but that's a religious thing, too. Which he's like, not using that word anymore. Well, it's he's science. obviously influenced. <laughs> yeah. Applewhite believed that complete separation from earthly desires were a prerequisite of ascension to the next level and emphasized passages in the New Testament in which Jesus spoke about forsaking worldly attachments. (laughs) Here we go. Members were told to renounce friends, family, media, drugs, alcohol, jewelry, facial hair, and sexuality. So all the good stuff. If, if (laughs) If people had kids... They had to abandon them to family members. This is wild. One couple, Yvonne and Stephen Hill, joined the cult later in its inception and left their four kids, including a set of one-month-old twins, to live with their grandparents. They, oh my God. they were also required to adopt biblical names. Applewhite and Nettle soon told them to adopt two-syllable names that end in Odie. And had three consonants in the first syllable, like Ricodi, Jamodi, and Lavodi. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's probably just laying in bed one night, being like, let me see what else I can get these people to do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Leaving like, one month old twins with their parents, my mother would kill me. <laughs> yeah. How would you, like, I don't know, I'd lock my kid in a room if they said that they were going to go join the cult and leave their four kids behind because obviously that's not thinking clearly no absolutely and, not and if they really believe in all of this mumbo jumbo that they're taking them to the next level how could you how could you leave your kids behind that's yeah, what i, I don't, don't understand Mm-mm. i don't know. be like okay well we're gonna go to the next level bye like no that's no. not how that works <laughs> It is not how that works. Applewhite said these names, the Odies, emphasized that his followers were spiritual children. Applewhite, Nettles, and their followers lived a quasi-nomadic lifestyle. They used the sound of a tuning fork to try to keep their minds clear. They could focus their attention to the tone, as it was called, and it was supposed to distract them from their thoughts. The group usually stayed at remote campgrounds and did not speak about their reliefs. reliefs beliefs i mean because they're freaking nuts applewhite and nettles stopped having public meetings in april 1975 and spent little time teaching doctrines to their converts the pair also had little contact with their dispersed followers most of uh which renounced their allegiance most members saw their bodies as a machine or hardware that needed to be maintained regularly so they would have to take something called the master cleanser, <laughs> which was lemon juice, cayenne pepper, and maple syrup. Stop. I can't see your face right now. <laughs> You're totally disgusted. 
It's the end part that's the worst. <laughs> and maple syrup. Okay, so lemon juice, cayenne pepper, and maple syrup infused into an enema to clean them out. And... I've heard of people eating that, but mm. not... Mm. That sounds like a spicy beehole to me. <laughs> that sounds awful. No. 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 Nope. <laughs> they would tell, okay, I'd believe everything up until this point. <laughs> and then I'd be like, no. Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. Now you have lost me. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> oh my gosh. So they stopped having public meetings already in 1975. So this was really like a quick burn huh yeah well and and it kind of right now is i do you know much about like the massacre at jonestown i mean i know stuff about it i forget his name i forget his name but towards the end he started getting really paranoid about everything and this is kind of the same thing they're getting paranoid at this point Oh, okay, so they stopped going out to teach because of that. Correct. Appleway and Nettles were scared they would be assassinated and taught their followers that their deaths would be similar to those of the two witnesses of the Book of Revelation. Some believe that Applewhite's prison experience and early rejection by audiences contributed to his fear. Applewhite and Nettles explained to their followers that the former's treatment by the press was a form of assassination and had fulfilled their prophecy. Applewhite took a materialistic view of the Bible, seeing it as a record of extraterrestrial contact with humanity. He jumped heavily into the book of Revelation, though he avoided traditional theological terminology and took a somewhat negative tone towards Christianity. He only lectured about a small number of verses and never tried to develop a system of theology. Yeah. In early 1976, Applewhite and Nettles changed their names again. They just can't stick to anything. This time, they go by Doe and T. Applewhite stated that these... Do you know why? I mean, nope. (laughs) That's kind of weird. I'm probably, like, just drawing my own life into this. But my brother messaged me, like, yesterday, I think it was... And it was just a piece of paper that said Me Tai Doty Walker on it. What do you remember that? that? No. Did you not read that scary stories to tell in the dark book? Yeah, I did. And then I blocked it out of my memory because it scared me to death. (laughs) It's one of the stories from there. And then he like did a drawing with it. And I was like, stop sending me this in the middle of the night. (laughs) Like activating trauma for me. He knows that. That's why he does it. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's just funny because of the doty again, yeah. real loose there. But I was like, why did they do that? <laughs> Applewhite stated that these names and any names were meaningless. So I guess, I mean, maybe. That's why they can change them so often. Yeah. In June 1976, they gathered the remaining followers at Medicine Bow National Forest in southeastern Wyoming, promising a visit from a UFO. Nettles later announced that the visit had been canceled. Oh, how weird. (laughs) Um, Applewhite and Nettles then split their followers into smaller groups, which they referred to as star clusters. Now, that is a cute name. That is a cute name. However, UFOs being canceled, I don't know if that works that way. And, like, how many times are you going to fall for that? Yeah, a lot, (laughs) apparently. There's more than this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, there's been no UFO sightings, we'll say. There's been none. <laughs> All right. Applewhite and Nettles began to place bigger demand on their followers' loosely structured lives, which improved membership retention. They typically communicated with their disciples in writing or through assistance. Increasingly, they emphasized they were the only source of truth. The idea that members could receive messages was rejected, and that improved membership retention, which doesn't seem like it would, but makes Right, because no thoughts. You're not allowed to think. Applewhite tried to keep followers from preventing close friendships with one another, fearing that that would lead to insubordination. So keeping everybody apart. 
Mm-hmm. Applewhite and Nettles insisted that their followers practice what they called flexibility, which meant strict obedience to their often shifting requests. Applewhite and Nettles limited the group's contact with those outside the movement, even with some who were thinking about joining, believing hostile people would try to join and disrupt them. Isn't that something in Scientology, too? Don't they call them, like, the hostiles? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, what is that? Is it hostile? I don't remember, but it's something like that. Yeah. They wanted their followers to depend solely on them and obey them at all costs. Applewhite instructed his disciples to be like children or pets in their submission. Members were encouraged to constantly seek advice from Applewhite and to ask him what he would do in the situation. Many found Applewhite to be laid back and fatherly. Winston Davis wrote that Applewhite mastered the fine art of religious entertainment, saying his disciples seemed to enjoy their service. He organized random rituals that were intended to instill a sense of discipline in his followers. He referred to those tasks as games. He also watched science fiction television programs with the rest of the group. Rather than issue direct commands, he attempted to express his preference and off his disciples uh, offer his disciples a choice he emphasized that the students were free to obey or disobey if they chose right sure <laughs> yeah that's what we'll call it make it clear what he wanted and then be like oh. go ahead and go ahead and choose <laughs> and for uh scientology it's defector is what they used oh and they okay. dis and then they disconnect from That's people. So weird. Yeah. All right. During this time, Applewhite and Nettles decided that 19 members of their flock were not as devout as they thought and sent them to Phoenix, Arizona to get jobs to support the cult with the promises that they would soon be in touch with orders. Um, Applewhite contacted them a few times, but then he kind of just forgot about them. These 19 people were at a loss because the cult moved around so much they didn't know where they were to, like, get in touch with them. (laughs) Ghosting in the 70s is what that is. (laughs) Um, They were forced to drift apart and lead lives among the Luciferians. And the Luciferians is something we'll talk about here in a second. In the late 1970s, the group received a large amount of money possibly through an inheritance of a member or a follower's income. This gain was used to rent houses, initially in Denver and then later in Dallas. Applewhite and Nettles had about 40 followers then and lived in two or three houses at the time. The leaders usually had their own house to stay in. The group was secretive about their lifestyle and covered up windows. Applewhite and Nettles arranged their followers' lifestyle as a boot camp, that would prepare them for the next level referring to their house as a craft (laughs) they regimented the lives of their disciples down to the minute students were uh, who were not committed to this lifestyle were encouraged to leave and given money actually to do so so interesting yeah that's different um Applewhite and Nettles made sudden drastic changes to the group sometimes which is what we talked about with the flexibility On one occasion in Texas, they told their followers of a forthcoming visitation from extraterrestrials and told them to wait outside all night long. (laughs) And eventually you'll see them. At which point they told them it was merely a test. Okay. Just kidding. Two times. (laughs) Yeah. Just kidding. We didn't mean it. Um, In 1980, Applewhite and Nettles had 80 followers who held jobs, often working with computers or car mechanics for whatever reason. In 1982, they allowed their followers to actually call their families. They kept relaxing their control of their members. And in 1986, they allowed their followers to actually visit their relatives on Mother's Day. They were only allowed to stay for a few days and were instructed to tell their families that they were studying computers at a monastery. What? Does that, is that a thing? I, <laughs> I have no idea. But that's, like, weird. Well, the first rule, if you're in a club and somebody says, lie to them about what kind of club we are, that means that it's not cool and you're in a cult. Yeah, it's not a good club. Get out of the club. (laughs) Don't be in that club. That is bizarre. Mm -hmm. 
1983, Nettles had an eye surgically removed due to a cancer diagnosis a few years prior. She died in 1985, and Applewhite told their followers that she had traveled to the next level because she had too much energy to remain on Earth, abandoning her body to make the journey. This explanation appeased all of his followers except one who left. Mart. (laughs) (laughs) Even with that success, Applewhite became very depressed. He claimed Nettle still communicated with them, but he suffered from a crisis of faith. His students supported him and encouraged him. He organized a ceremony in which he symbolically married his followers, attempting to secure their unity. Applewhite told his followers that he had been left behind by Nettles because he still had more to learn. He felt that she occupied a higher spiritual role than he did. He began to identify her as the father and often referred to her with male pronouns. Yeah. Which is like, okay, that last their sentence that he was left behind that's really Mm -hmm. a sad statement because he probably felt that way about his dad and not getting that approval and then this person who they're like soulmates right left him and if he really believes that this is true like that would be heartbreaking yeah how do, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around like how he could actually believe this for real. <laughs> I don't know, but I get stuck on that. I'm like how, too. how would you get so wrapped up into that, that you would believe these things. And then with somebody dying from cancer. Yeah. If they're, if she's an alien of a higher role that doesn't jive. <laughs> right. No, I agree. Um, Applewhite put a strict hierarchy, um, teaching students that they needed his guidance as he needed the guidance of the next level. It's all about the cream rises to the top. Um, he encouraged his followers to see him as Christ. So he's Christ now. And a relationship with him was the only salvation. (laughs) Applewhite stuck with his some aspects of their scientific teachings, but in the 80s, the group became more like a religion in its focus on faith and submission to authorities. So now it's like, I don't know, it's shifted so many times. Then now it's back to the religious part. I also don't understand how you could follow a religion that says to reach salvation for your only salvation is to have a relationship with this guy. And like right. 80 people are going to get salvation. Like that doesn't make sense. It, okay. Not to like poo poo on anybody's parade here. And I'm hope I'm not offensive when I say this, cause I'm really not, it's just a question, but this also gets me with like the Jehovah's witnesses that come knocking on my door. Yeah. They only have a set amount of people they believe are going to go to, to heaven. Why would you want to ruin your chances by inviting everybody you know (laughs) you should be keeping this quiet it's a very select party right like i don't know if you 10 people are going i'm not gonna invite 15 people like i want to be in that 10 maybe part of bringing people in is like it's a marta mart multi-level marketing scheme (laughs) like you have to bring people in to get to the top kind of situation man i don't know but i never got that it's like why are you coming here i don't want to hurt you and your chances you (laughs) get to heaven girl place you get it yeah i don't know i've got a lot of questions but this particular situation 80 there's 80 people in this group he's one guy like that's weird yes i don't know that is After Nettle's death, Applewhite altered his view of ascension. He thought prior that the group would physically ascend from the earth and that death caused reincarnation, but her death, which left behind a body, means he had to change his beliefs that it was only a spiritual ascension Hmm. and your body would remain on earth. Huh. How likely story. Gotta switch (laughs) it up to fit the narrative. (laughs) Applewhite taught that he was a walk-in, which meant he was a higher being who took control of adult bodies to teach humanity. He also taught his view on resurrection, which was that his group's souls were to be transported to a spaceship, 
where they would then enter their bodies. Applewhite dropped the metaphor about the butterfly, now going with the fact he believed the body was merely a container, a vehicle that souls could enter and exit. Applewhite became increasingly paranoid and feared a conspiracy against his group. One member who joined in the mid-80s said that Applewhite avoided new converts worrying that they were infiltrators. Mm-hmm. So he's paranoid. He feared a government raid on his home. He began to discuss the apocalypse more, comparing Earth to an overgrown garden that was to be recycled or rebooted and humanity to be a failed experiment. Using the garden metaphor, he said that Earth would be spaded under. Applewhite also used New Age concepts, but he differed from that movement by predicting that apocalyptic rather than utopian changes would soon occur to Earth. He said most humans had been brainwashed by Lucifer, but that his followers could break free of his control. He said sexual urges were the work of Lucifer and that the evil extraterrestrial, which he called Luciferians, sought to thwart his mission. It's so deep. He said that many prominent moral teachers and advocates of political correctness were Luciferians. This theme emerged in 1988, possibly in response to the lurid alien abduction stories that were popular at the time. Didn't we say those other people joined the Luciferians? Yes. So So they're in bad. Actual group of people? No, that's just what he like groups (laughs) them in and calls them. So he okay. They might not have even known that they were Luciferians. (laughs) Really? Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) So we wait. Yeah, (laughs) we are Luciferians. Correct. I can I could just see it now, like Nettles dying. And him just being like, shit, what am I going to do? Why is her body still here and not in space? When you start wondering, like, do they really believe this? Or are they just, like, really wanting to be the the leader of the pack? Yeah, because she's the one that told the lie, right? Yeah. Well, He was just believing her. I do think that if they wouldn't have met each other, this would not have happened sounds like definitely not isn't that weird like them not meeting him being five minutes late or her being two minutes early could have changed the whole trajectory of this story into not being a thing that's just i just realized that the end of this notes is not the end of the story it's just the end of part one that is correct so a lot more stuff happens after this yes Okay. Now we'll talk about one more part here in the late 1980s. The group was keeping a low profile, so low that people didn't even think they existed, which is pretty damn low. It's very in, low. In 1988, they mailed a document that detailed their beliefs to a variety of new age organizations. The mailer Ooh, the mailer also had info about their history and advised people to read several books that focused on Christian history and UFOs. They flew under the radar after that until about 1992. In 1992, they recorded a 12-part video series, which was broadcast by satellite. Over the years, several hundred people had joined and left. In the early 90s, their membership dropped to as few as 26 which is pretty slim compared to what they were before. These dropouts gave Applewhite a sense of urgency. In May 1993, the group took the name Total Overcomers Anonymous. They spent 30 grand. That's this is crazy. They spent 30 grand to publish a full ad, I'm sorry, a full page ad in the USA Today. They said a catastrophic judgment would befall the earth. This ad caused about 20 former members to rejoin, which is nuts. <laughs> is that it, though? <laughs> yeah, that is it. Out of the hundreds and hundreds. Um, after a few more public lectures in 1994, membership doubled. By this time, Applewhite did not give his disciples a strict uh, regimented life and spent less time with them. So he was just kind of like checking out at this point so they took an ad a full page ad out of usa today 
like yes. that matches the signs all on the Ohio freeways. Probably like you're going to hell if, yeah. <laughs> if you don't jump on this uh, E.T. phone home situation. That's wild. Yep. Yikes. Yikers. Um, so this is the end of part one. In part two, we will actually talk about Heaven's Gate itself as it becomes Heaven's Gate. Um, we'll also talk about the unfortunate mass suicide that took place and where they are now. Um, some of the member stories that we have and if if it's still an operating entity or if they kind of died with the suicide. So let me cite all my sources here because I've got a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I used Wikipedia all that's interesting.com, SYVnews.com, Ranker.com, LA Times.com, Grunge.com, Heavensgate.com, and Crelody.wordpress.com. And that name sounds like one that Apple White tried to get everybody to take, right? So, huh. Got some interesting things ahead for part two. Oh somebody's blog spot (laughs) yeah yes it's their memoirs interesting (laughs) Uh, well we hope that you guys enjoyed episode 125 on heaven's gate part one and we will see you next week with part two bye bye